I don't know how you're feeling. I'm guessing I kind of know how you're feeling, but I don't really know how you're feeling. But goodness me, could more crap be happening to us? Uh, seriously, at what point do we reach the top of our crap meter? That is a really important question. And kind of, that's what we're going to talk about today on the podcast. Remember, if you remember nothing else, remember sort of the standard for meaningful work. Because that's going to come up again. Good work, done well, for the right reasons. Hey everybody, welcome to the Pre-Accident Podcast. I'm Todd Conklin. I think I'll uh, spend a little time with you today on the pod, if that's alright with you. I mean, I need to ask your permission. Because if I don't, it could be seen as uh, awkwardly forward, you know, and that's not that cool to be awkwardly forward. So today I wanted to have a little talk with you because I had something happen. So we're at the end of the summer, at least for us in North America, and school's starting again and the world's uncertain and there's a lot going on. I mean, we could talk about the news and politics and stuff, but... Uh, it seems like there are other better places for that information and that conversation to happen. Plus, I find it, I, I think I'm kind of at the end of my rope. I'm a little bit on the edge of, uh, I, I don't know what to think anymore. I'm sure you feel the same way. So I'm not, I'm not going to sit and complain because that's not that good. But I wanted to talk to you about uh, an, an experience I had really in the last week. And it has to do with a leadership team that I would suggest is in a certain amount of trouble. So we know some things for sure, right? And one is is that improvement in an organization ebbs and flows and that there's not really such a thing as permanent improvement. I, I mean, it's, it's I, I think we can permanently improve systems, but as a learning strategy, We'll never just stay in learning and improving. We'll always ebb back and forth. And I guess you could say we could ebb back and forth between sort of blaming and learning, blame and punishment, learning and improving. I mean, those are those are kind of the things that we know leadership teams do. They, they move. They're fluid. And they do lots and lots of things and handle many, many, many Different ideas, offering uh, oftentimes different goals, uh, differing values, differing priorities, and that's what they're paid to do. So I don't think anything I just said was necessarily interesting or even surprising. That's what they're paid to do is, is, is really lead the organization and help make decisions that are oftentimes difficult to make in order to move the organization towards whatever goal the organization wants to move to. Fair enough? Good so far? Everybody with me? Checking in? I think so. Yeah, that's good. What do you do, however, when the organization drifts so far away from improvement that they kind of catch themselves in kind of a, uh, uh, almost like an organizational leadership depression? And you could look at depression in the mental health sense of the word, or you could look at it in the weather map sense of the word, but either way, they're they're kind of trapped in a funk as a leadership team, and that's kind of where my story starts. Because 
it's difficult to know you're in an organizational funk when you're in an organizational funk. It's the classic frog in the hot water. You know, they don't know they're in the hot water because they're in the hot water and the water gets hotter and they don't realize it because they're in the hot water. Okay, you know that one, right? And this idea that our organizations kind of ebb and flow and that the leadership in the organization ebb and flows is an important part of understanding really the work we do. Now, I'm not saying everybody has access to the senior leaders in every organization because that's not true. But in this case, I was given kind of a weird sense of access to a group that is working diligently, working really hard actually, but not really accomplishing what it is they want to accomplish. And it's easy to say there are external forces like pandemics and global economic crises and shipping crises. There's, there's tons of places to point to and say this is the cause of all the trouble. But in fact, I would suggest all those things kind of serve to amplify the funk that this leadership team found themselves to be in. And, and you should know, I don't think there's a good ending to this story. I mean, I don't have like a happy ending to end with. It's just interesting to see a group that's in this position. And what had happened to a great extent is that the power in the organization shifted. And and that's an important thing for us to talk about for the work we do. Because traditionally, this organization has been incredibly successful, very, very successful, by empowering their workforce to deliver really, in this case, program, to deliver the product to their customers in any way they could as long it was as long as it was of the highest quality and really fit the goal and standards the the it was sufficient and effective it was meaningful life changing i mean this a it's a great organization which which has a a really cool set of values and for years and years and years they were successful by empowering the people who actually do the work, who, who, who are with the participants and customers, to actually ensure that the participants and customers have this incredible experience for a couple-week period, and it had worked fine. It had been brilliant. But then over time, leadership changed, and that's normal. I mean, there's, there's, everybody's replaceable, and, and leaders play a key role in maintaining and sustaining culture. And the new leaders that came in really took it upon themselves to put their own stamp on the organization, to, to actually change the organization up. And again, I would suggest that's normal as well. But what's interesting is that over time, and due to pandemics and crises, things like that, the power shifted from empowering the workforce to provide really excellent experiences to their customers. The power shifted towards actually empowering leaders to manage the fiscal and financial aspects of the business as the primary priority for operations. So... If I can rephrase this better, 
they went from empowering their workers to give the best possible work they can do to actually empowering the organization to spend the least amount of money as they could possibly spend. And it was, uh, it was a classic sort of shift economically. It's, again, not unusual because there's a lot of crises going on. But what's so interesting is how that shifted the power in the organization. And suddenly, the people who actually do the work, touch the tools, lost their sense of engagement, but more importantly, lost their belief that what they did made a difference. And I've said this to you before, so this isn't necessarily terribly interesting, but really the two things leaders ultimately manage in an organization are confidence and capacity. And if you lose confidence, the organization itself will not succeed. If there isn't capacity, resources, time, energy, effort, tolerance, space, then the organization won't succeed. So the two things that are vital is this idea of confidence and capacity. And really all the things like budgets and staffing and all those things kind of fit into that category quite nicely. But because this power shifted so that once the workers made decisions in real time based upon the quality of experience that the people who participated were having, now their decisions were taken away from them and given to people far away from the sharp edge, far away from the pointy end of the stick, and decisions were made that dramatically impacted the ability to do the work from far away by people who didn't do the work. Now, so far, everything I've just said is pretty normal. In fact, there's there's nothing unusual about what I just said. Lots of organizations have gone through this. But I think this one's interesting just because they said, we need some help because this isn't working. And of course it's not going to work. I mean, when you disengage and disempower your workforce, what do you have? I mean, honestly, what do you have? Low morale, low productivity, low quality, all the things that matter, the metrics that we measure, all those things are going to dramatically be impacted by an organization that's drifted away from their sense of operational excellence drifted towards managing goals to keep the business afloat, not managing goals to make the business successful. And you know the difference. I mean, there's not a lot of different. I mean, it's, I don't even need to explain it. You understand that difference because we talk about it all the time. And what's remarkable is by having that conversation, we intervened in the organization And perhaps, just maybe, perhaps, set the course back towards normal for them. Typical is maybe even a better word. But allow them to be successful. It's so funny, you guys. And you know this. I mean, this is not even abnormal for us. But when you you start to see the workforce as the problem, then everything you do in the leadership realm is really directed at fixing the workforce because they're the problem. But when you realize that the workforce is really the solution, then in fact, leaders respond much differently because now they're really interested in ensuring we've created an environment where the workers can go into the field and be successful. They have the resources they need, the capacity they need, the confidence they need to do what they need to do. 
And so that's kind of a long introduction to what happened next. But I think the part that happened next is maybe the part that I think makes the biggest difference. And that's the idea of understanding that leadership ebbs and flows, that organizations ebb and flow, and that culture is not permanent. Culture is never permanent. Culture is not something you manage. Culture is something that appears. It's an outcome of your organization's systems, context, people. I mean, and the culture will shift knowingly as well. Now, I knew for this organization that they were probably safe. Because anytime significant change, like changing the power structure from empowering the workers to empowering the leaders, anytime significant change like that happens, always bet on culture because culture always wins. And in fact, that's exactly what happened here is they realized that that power shift didn't work. And what helped them realize that is the culture just squarely told the leaders in many different forms this was not working. And so that led to the discussion, which is the reason we're talking today, you know, at the end of August in 2021. And they said, well, how do we measure this? How do we, how do we understand when this happens again? How do we look for, for waypoints for, for dots on the roadmap that'll help us understand and pulse the difference in this value set. And it's interesting because we've talked about this a bunch. And the one thing the pandemic's done for us is really helped us understand the difference between monitoring and measuring. And I would suggest that a culture shift like the one I'm talking about probably fell into the measuring trap, but it should have probably lived in the monitoring trap. Uh, maybe it's not trap, the monitoring part of that. Let me erase trap from both those. And what we really ended up talking about with this leadership team was what establishes and creates meaningful work for leaders. So one of the first questions I ask is, is it fun to be a leader here? Are you having a good time? Is it valuable? Is it meaningful? And that's always a really important question to ask. And leaders, for the most part, don't know what to do with that question. Because I I think they want to answer it by, well, yeah, of course it is. But you could sort of sense that it wasn't very much fun for them. And so once we establish that if it's not fun, if it's not meaningful, if it's not valuable to be a leader in this organization, we're doing it wrong. I I mean, that's a pretty good monitoring tool to help us understand that something is out of balance, something's out of kilter. And then I helped by something that's really simple, and I've talked about it with you guys before, so this isn't the first time we've had this conversation. But if you were to ask me to define what is meaningful, right, what is what makes meaning, I've really pretty much decided that that's a pretty easy answer. It's good work done well, for the right reasons. Should I repeat that? Just in case you're missing it, like you blinked or something. Good work, done well, for the right reasons. And if you see a leadership team that's struggling, like this one was, and they were really struggling. I mean, this was pretty painful. One of the very first things that I think of 
is which one of those three characteristics, good work, done well for the right reasons, is not happening. Because one of those three, sometimes two of those three, in worst possible case, maybe even three of all three of those things are not being done. And if they're not being done, then work doesn't feel satisfying. Leading doesn't feel fun. Leading's not valuable. It's not meaningful. And so what we did, which is easy to do, and you could do it with any team, any leader, anywhere, is we just asked the question, are we still doing good work? And it was a pretty compelling discussion. I mean, it went a long time. But the decision at the end of that conversation was that, yeah, the the work we do is important and it's good. Okay. Are we doing it well? That's the second question. And what was so interesting about that question is that, I mean, between you and I, this is top secret. Don't blab it out. I don't think they'd thought of that question. And I don't think they were ready for that question because the more they discussed it and it became kind of an, uh, an animated discussion, the more it became really clear that at least partially we weren't doing it well. We weren't doing it as good as we could do it. We weren't doing it as good as we need to do it. And we weren't necessarily proud of the product that we were creating. And that was painful. I mean, that that's hard for a group of leaders to sit in a room and kind of have a, uh, slapped into their face. It's like a big, ugly mirror that you put right in front of them and they have to look at it. You know this because all of you've taken a shower in a hotel with a giant mirror on one wall, walked out and thought, who is that? Oh, 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 wait. Oh, it's me. Right. And then the last question is for the right reason. And what's interesting is that that became a very, very important part of understanding really the changing environment that all of our leadership, no matter where you are on the globe, are in the middle of, even as we speak. And that the, the priorities that an organization has at some level have changed fundamentally. And that notion is a relatively important notion to think about. And what's so interesting about this conversation is that those three little monitoring categories, good work, done well, for the right reasons, I think probably did more to help that leadership team discover for themselves where they were currently where they need to return or restore their ability and actually ways to get there. And that's why I wanted to take a couple minutes and tell you that story because I was just there. I mean, it was, they just asked for help and I'm completely committed to the organization. So I was glad to help them. It's not a problem at all. And I'm not smart by any stretch of the imagination. I, I barely know anything. And the more I try to fix my email, the less I realize I know. But I did know that we've talked in our world about the importance of monitoring systems. I did know that complexity means adaptation is important. I did know that the worker's not the problem. 
the worker's the problem solver, and good workers hired for the right reasons will do great, meaningful work. And I knew what my definition of meaningful leadership was. And so I just asked them, are you having fun? And they really didn't answer that question, which in essence completely answered the question for me because that's a big fat no, just nobody said it. And then I was able to explain to them those three monitoring areas, good work done well for the right reasons. And they kind of took it from there. And they looked at the first category and the second category and the third category. And what amazed me is that at the end of this discussion, they not only had a relatively good understanding of where they were, what had happened, but they actually learned a ton about their role as leaders in managing organizational success. And what I thought was most interesting, and the details are still out, we'll see how this ends, was that they left with a relatively strategic plan to move forward. You've got the same ability to do that in your organization. It's not its not any talent on our part. I mean, again, knowing less probably makes you smarter. So we're geniuses because we don't know anything. But having that conversation and then rooting it sort of in the fundamentals of really what we do, of how humans perform, in complex organizational systems. Remembering, of course, that leaders are human and that leaders are workers as well and that we have to sort of provide the same level of exploration, the same level of opportunity to learn to leaders. Because what happens with leaders is they don't get a lot of chances to learn. They don't get a lot of chances to prototype. They don't get a lot of chances to micro-experiment. And I would really suggest to you they don't get a lot of chances to simply think about the problem without having it attached to immediate action. The one thing I always try to remember is that you manage two different times. You manage doing and thinking. And they're always separate. I mean, it's it's kind of the reason that they videotape sporting events so the players can watch it later. Because when you're playing the sport, you're not learning the sport. You're not studying the sport. You're performing the sport. And so you can't ever learn and perform at the same time. And what happens with leaders is they're almost always in performance space. They're almost always in a place where they have to do the work. And so cleaving out some time especially for learning to watch the videotape, that's not an opportunity they have very often. They should. I mean, there's really no excuse for not having it, but they don't. And so creating that opportunity is really where it starts and then allowing yourself that framework, in this case, meaningful work, good work done well for the right reasons, allows you a structure by which you can look at where you are and where you need to go. That is a very interesting way to think about moving forward. And that's what's been on my mind this week. I mean, so much so that I thought, I need to just sit down and talk through this with you so uh, I could get your feedback and see what you thought.
But I think it's probably an important discussion that they had. And I'm not sure they'll get better, but I'm relatively certain they're not going to get worse. But I do think what we've done is help understand that it's time to move the leadership pendulum back towards improvement. And that, I know one thing for sure, that is a deliberate strategic improvement. So that's the pod. That's all I really much, I didn't really have a whole lot more to say. I mean, that that's, that's what I wanted to cover with you. I want to make sure that um, you knew that so you can think about it as well. Because I'm not sure I'm right on any of this stuff. But I do think being a part of that conversation was pretty valuable. So until then, my friends, learn something new every single day. Have as much fun as you possibly can. Be kind to each other. That seems really important. Check in on one another. Monday is a good check-in day. Just tossing that out there. And for goodness sakes, you guys, be safe. Okay, so what do you think about that? Was it too freaky? I didn't want to sound preachy, but it's really an interesting uh, thing to be invited to be a part of. And I wanted to share it with you as coolly as I can. So I hope it doesn't sound too preachy or weird. But you know you need to hear these stories because if I don't tell them, my head will explode. Have fun. See you later this week. Be cool.